1: Thanks, Pastor Rachel. We really appreciate that, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your faithfulness. It's been an incredible year, lots of ups and downs, but you've been faithful, and we're so grateful for that. Merry Christmas. I said at the beginning of the service Christmas was yesterday. I think I had too much eggnog, I think. It was two days ago, but we're here today, and today we're concluding the series that we've called Christmas Wish list and I know that we're still online and we've got a couple weeks away till we're back in person but I believe like I've said every week that there's a word from the Lord for you today and so open up your heart let God move in your heart in your family's life in your community's life share this like this and let's be interactive today as the message moves forward so we've been asking the question what was on your wish list now I change the question after Christmas what was on your Christmas wish list this year What did you get? Maybe you can just put in there, what was your favorite gift this year? And maybe you're saying, boy, I didn't get what I wanted, or maybe you were disappointed in some way, or maybe you've got some returns to do, or maybe something already has broke, and hopefully that's not the case for your kids. But I'm wondering, did you get something that you really, really, really wanted this year? I hope you did, but I want you to know, that eventually, whatever that gift was, no matter how great, no matter how small, the fade, there will be a fade in regards to that gift. That it won't mean as much in the years to come. Now, if you got engaged this Christmas, now I'll take that back, right? A, a wedding ring, I mean, that, that's pretty special. But, uh, but, but other than that, let's say, you know, th- the needs that we get, or the, the, the things that we want that we get for Christmas, oftentimes do not Last, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. And I say that because the best gifts that we receive are those that actually meet needs, not just our wants. See, when we get our wants met, it's like, yeah, that feels good for a moment, but it fades. But when we get our needs met, that is incredible. This season, we've been talking about meeting needs, and we've been talking and wrestling with this idea that we serve a God who meets our needs. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse number 5, it talks about a God that gives generously. Look what it says. If any man lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love the fact that we serve a God who is generous, don't you? And when we think of generosity, we think about the lack of peace in our world, in our community, and uh, what's happening these days with the coronavirus and all the different things, and why we're even online in this way. But God, He breathes peace. He gives us the gift of forgiveness. He He makes things right. He's so generous. When there's a lack of hope, God is a great, gracious, generous God who gives us another chance and fills us with hope again. And last week we talked about the need for the impossible, the gift of a miracle, and we serve a miracle-working God. And I know from the bottom of my heart that when there's healing or when God does restorative work, that is the gift. And God is so generous. He's so incredible. Well, today we're going to look at one more need. And despite, you know, whatever you got, unlike your Christmas gift, the need that we're going to talk about today is love. And when we talk about that, as we unpack this idea of love, we get the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. The gift of love is with us. And this morning, I'm excited to introduce to you a special guest. He's a guy that many of you that are from the Gateway Church know. His name is Rocky Nichols. He's taught uh, different uh, times from the pulpit here. Uh, It's been about a year since he's been in the pulpit, but uh, this is a, a special moment for him. This will be his first time preaching with a ministerial license from the Assemblies of God. And we're excited about that. That was on his Christmas wish list this year. And, uh, and we're excited. But without further ado, I'm going to ask Rocky Nichols to come and join me. And uh, would you give a big, wild, awesome, we got a few of the worship team. Let's hear it for Rocky Nichols. We love you, brother. The pulpit's yours. Wow. Amen.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'd like to say, Pastor Ben, last week, you asked us online to post what was on our wish list. And I just had a simple wish that I could get some new shoes. And guess what I got on today? I got my new shoes. So if I take a face plant onto the carpet, it's first of all because I'm a bit clumsy, but second of all, I know these new shoes are always a bit sticky. If I take a face plant out there, I'm hoping that one of you angels will catch me before I hit the ground. I'm going to take this opportunity to share with you my best Christmas gift story. Now, it's not the story about my best Christmas gift. It's just simply the best story I have about a Christmas gift. 1968, I know exactly the year because it was the only year they made and sold this item. It was Christmas morning, a typical 1960s Christmas room, the old real live tree with the big thick lights and the cords all over, real tinsel my two older brothers were in the room we had all got our gifts we're opening up way too many things that we didn't deserve and I see a delivery truck pull up outside nineteen sixties stores were not open on Christmas everybody closed what's going on guy walks up to the front knocks on the door my mom goes out there and I'm listening it's the Herpelsheimer's delivery man now if you've ever seen the movie Polar Express they fly over Grand Rapids, and they look down, and they say, Herpelsheimers. Well, that's a long story all by itself. But it was the Herpelsheimers delivery man, and Mom put something on layaway because it was out of stock or whatever. She really wanted me to have this special gift. She came walking into the room, and she said, Rocky, there's one more for you. Now imagine my two older brothers thinking, Ugh, the kid always gets something special. Well, Mom walked over to me with this box wrapped in plain brown paper. I was not too excited because I liked the fancy paper. Wrapped or closed with string. I opened it up, ripped the paper, and I pulled out this box and I immediately knew this was something special. It said Noah's Ark playset by Marks. Opened up the box and I pulled out these beautiful little hand-painted tiny miniature animals. Even at the age of 10 I knew quality. Well, I packed it back up, and I stuck it up on a shelf. Occasionally, I would take it out, and I would just admire what was in that box. When my friends would come over, we'd take it out, set it up. As time went by, piece by piece, it disappeared until I was down to just the plastic ark and Mr. and Mrs. Noah. I shared that story with my kids over and over. One year, my son said, Dad, why don't you go buy one on eBay? Hey, I, I buy all kinds of stuff on eBay. Never thought of that. So I go over to the computer, and we type in Noah's Ark toy. Zoop! There's about 10,000 choices. Well, i got to narrow it down here. It was a playset. Noah's Ark playset. Type that in. Zoop. There's still like 1,000 of them, all big ones, little ones, all different kind of stuff. Okay, I've got to narrow this down. It was in the 60s. So let's put vintage 1960s Noah's Ark playset by Marx. Whoop! about 15 choices, and I saw the actual little toy animals on there like I had. But almost everyone had the same, same experience. They had lost all, and there was just a few left. One of them said, N-I-B, new in box. Could it really be? So I go on there, and sure enough, they have all the packages. are still unopened in the plastic. I thought, wow, I have a chance to get... That my one great gift that I got back in 1968. And it was going for like $15 at the time. And the auction was going to end at 2.30 that morning. Wow, what's the chances of this? So I thought, I'm going to type in 25 bucks. Boom, hit send. All right, cool. 25 bucks for this little box of plastic. Then I thought, you know, what if there's somebody as crazy as I am who might spend over 25 bucks? So I thought, oh, okay. Uh, I better think this over. I'm gonna I'm gonna risk fifty dollars on this little thing. So I typed in fifty dollars. Boy, there might be a millionaire out there who just wants his boyhood toy. All right, seventy-five dollars. I can't imagine anybody being that crazy, so I'm gonna go seventy-five bucks. Hit send. I went to bed, slept like a. Baby and woke up at 5:28 without an alarm, like I usually did way back then. First thing I did is I ran right out to the computer because I wanted to know how much I actually spent on this thing, typed it in, boom, went to my summary for my own page, and opened it up and said, "You have been outbid. Are you kidding me?" I put 75 bucks on there. 452 dollars and 17 cents four hundred fifty two dollars and why the 17 cents for this little box of plastic i knew then i would never relive that moment now the part of the story i rarely tell people some years later it was easter weekend and i was a the family was all around, and we were just kind of watching the games and stuff like that. I thought, I'll see what's on eBay, and I typed it in there. And, you know, eBay has this way of knowing what you're looking for, and it popped up on the screen, No it our play sets. I thought, ah, I wonder what they're going for. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I did a search on previous sold items. They typically go from 500 to $1,200 a piece. Way out of my range. So anyways, on Easter, I'm looking at this, and here's one for sale, new in the box. $100, and nobody's on eBay on Easter weekend apparently. Nobody's bidding on it. So I typed it in. I went 125 bucks, and a week later, I got my 1968 Noah's Ark playset. I opened it up just to be sure what was in there. And sure enough, Everything was in there in the plastic bags, just like that day so long ago. And then I thought, well, if I open up the bags, it loses its value. And then even more important, I noticed the joy wasn't even in that box. The joy was on my mother's face. she gave it to me 52 years ago, and the love that she had for picking this special toy out for me, because it certainly was a special toy. And today we speak about love, Emmanuel, God with us, that love of God that is so even beyond precious to us. It's a peculiar experience I got up here. I knew this would happen because the last time I spoke up here was 52 weeks ago. We have all made a complete trip around the sun since the last time I spoke. And I've had numerous experiences out there, as you have, and for 50 or more weeks we've heard different sermons, and no offense, Pastor, but after a while it all kind of gets to be a blur of all these messages But for me, there's nothing in between me and that past experience 52 weeks ago. I can remember exactly what we spoke about, even though I do have some notes here to remind me. But there's nothing to cloud my memory. We spoke about Hebrews 12. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Today we speak about love. We heard about numbers and how God uses numbers In a specific way, it's called numerology. The number three is a complete number, represents the Trinity. A number seven is a complete number of a week. You add three and seven together, you get ten, a higher order of completeness. You multiply ten by ten by ten, you get a thousand, a millennium, even a higher order yet. We reviewed how God works in blocks of time in different ways. And we talked about last year or this year, 2020, as being a significant number and perhaps a significant year. We even all came forward and prayed that God would make this an impacting year in our life. <sighs> Look what happened. He sure did. Today, we stand on the threshold of another significant year, 2021. And in numerology, that one means unity or new beginnings. Could we ever be at a more ripe place for unity and new beginnings? Because 2020 has been the most divisive year of my life. Our nation is divided. Christianity is divided, even to a level. Our church, we have a little bit of division amongst us as well. Jesus prayed in John 17. That we would all be as one so that the world would believe. We need to ensure that that happens. 2020 is the most appropriate place for a restart. But how do we start fresh? Well, let's go way back to the beginning and see what happened when God made this beautiful creation perfect and then sin came into the world. What happened? John 3.16 happened. For God so loved. And that's how we start again. By love. This gift of love. Emmanuel. God with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I suggest we need to look at that deeper than we superficially do. Because we can often, as I have through the past, look at it in this way and read it, that God so intensely loved this world that he gave the most precious thing that he had to save that world. But if we look at it like that, we give the devil a victory if we look at it a little bit more appropriately and read it like this, for God, in such a way, loved the people he created that before the foundations of this earth, he already had a plan ready to implement to save those people. Love was not a reaction to save something precious. It was a planned, coordinated response to defeat an enemy, an enemy that still works in the same way today. And we defeat that enemy in the same way by going to the cross. With that same love that nailed Jesus to it, we walk in humility and love. God gave this greatest visual image of love in action. He also gave us this complete checklist to understand what love is. It's in the first letter of Corinthians that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. In Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and in that church, they loved to come together and to practice those supernatural gifts, but they were getting carried away with them, and they were missing some key ingredients there. In chapter 14, then he goes and he talks about the order of how to use them in worship. And sandwiched between there is this most amazing dissertation of love. After explaining to them the gifts of the, spirit, of the Spirit, he says, But let me show you a more excellent way, because if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am nothing but this resounding gong or this tinkling little symbol if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all knowledge and all mysteries and I have faith that can literally move mountains but I have not love I am nothing if I give all that I have to the poor and literally sacrifice my body to the flames that I may boast I gain nothing love is patient, love is kind it does not envy, it does not boast it is not pride It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And as I read that over and over, I realize that I don't flow in love you know i can say i love my wife i love my kids i love my friends i love my dog i love my cat he don't love me i love ice cream but those are all different loves what paul is talking about is something on a higher order that chapter we often talk about as the love chapter, and we often think about it. Oh, yeah, we talk about that at weddings all the time, and it's appropriate. But I can't help but think this. Are there any Star Trek fans in the room? A few? Oh, look at all the Trekkies online. Thousands of you out there. ha <laughs> oh, great. All right, well, you'll connect with this. In the old original version of Star Trek, back in the 60s, we had this character of Mr. Spock. The Vulcan, everything was logical. He was in a class by himself as a character. Well, it was said in Hollywood that Leonard Nimoy, the man who played that character, anchored it so well with his personality that he couldn't get another job for other movies or other parts because every time he came on the set... Or on the screen, people thought, why is Spock in this movie? It seems to be the same for me anyways with 1 Corinthians 13. It always goes back, oh, the love chapter that we talk about at weddings. Well, it certainly does apply there. But it has magnitudes of order beyond that that we need to understand. When we speak about love, in the English language we have one word. L-O-V-E, that covers everything. In the Greek, they have as many as nine words for love. Thankfully, we only use four of them typically in the New Testament. And those, you've probably heard them before, eros, phylos, storge, and agape. Eros is the physical love between a man and a woman. Touchy-feely stuff. Phylos is friendship brotherly love. Loyalty. The city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Philo. Philo. Storge is family love. You love your parents. You love your children. You love your siblings. It kind of happens. It's a bond. But agape, often called the love of God, is unconditional love. It's love that you give away expecting nothing in return. Let me read the definition I found. Agape is unconditional love, not depending on any external factors. Acts of charity are born out of agape love. It does not require anything in return. If we go back to that chapter and we start to read through line by line, love is patience. 2 Peter three nine says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is the ultimate example of patience, the creator of the universe, just sitting there waiting for us to come around. That's patience. Love is kind. We can insert the word good. In there, Romans 8.28, and we know in all things, God works for good. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Some versions say his loving kindness or his goodness. It does not envy. There are two kinds of envy. One that covets what someone has. The 10th commandment, don't also not covet. And there's another one that begrudges people because they got something that I really deserved. Love does not do that. Love follows what Galatians 5 says, but, say, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we have those things, They'll push out envy. It does not boast. Agape love will always be far more impressed with its own unworthiness than with its merit. John one twenty seven talks about John the Baptist who said, There's one coming after me whose sandals I am not even worthy of tying. Of all people, he could have boasted. He didn't. It is not proud. Love is not inflated by its own importance. I love this one. We used it a lot recently. Philippians 2.3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. It does not dishonor others. How often we dishonor people, especially the elderly. And I found this one I love. Leviticus 19.32, You shall stand up before the gray-haired and honor the face of an old man. It doesn't discern whether they've deserved that or not. It says honor older people. And likewise, likewise, I've inserted in here, let's honor those who are wounded warriors, veterans, missionaries, people who serve in any way. And many of these are thankless jobs, people with special needs, the physically challenged, the homeless, aliens, those not aliens, the Star Trek kind, but those who are from outside of our border. Hebrews 13.2 says, Remember the stranger that stands at your gate, for some have entertained angels unaware. Can you imagine that? A person from another land, lost, and you help them out unknowing that they may have been an angel? It is not self-seeking. Love does not insist upon its own rights. Jesus before Pilate and in Mark 15. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered not. He said nothing in his own defense. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you not answer these? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still said nothing. And I love this. Pilate marveled at that. It is not easily angered. Agape love never becomes exasperated with people. I think we all know it's easy to become exasperated with people. Matthew five forty four. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. (sighs) That's a tough one. And this is one of my favorites. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Proverbs 25, it's the word, 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. I've done that before. It does have a certain internal reward but I don't know that I've done it for the proper reasons. It keeps no records of wrong. Do you ever keep a list? Do you ever point fingers? Recall a previous trespass? Perhaps we should move on. This is too convicting for me. Just a few weeks ago I was watching, we were watching, Pam and I were watching TV and I started talking during the the show and she says quiet and I said well you do the same thing and right away I realized keeping a list point the finger love doesn't do that love just love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth here's one of my instant karma stories when I was an apprentice we had these vices on the machine with a removable handle and it's stamped on every one that says, do not pound on the handle of this vice. Because it loosens them up and then they get sloppy. Well, I was on the other side of the machine road doing my own thing. And one of the cockier, older apprentices was over there. And he's just wailing away on the handle of that vice. And I felt re- responsible. And I says, hey, you're n- not supposed to h- pound on the handle of that vice. So he took the vice off the handle. Took the vice off this one, switched him, put him over there. Okay, I'll pound on the handle of that vice. And he picked up this eight-pound lead hammer and let it fly and missed the handle and went down and hit him on the instep of his foot. He went down in pain and went home for a couple days. And I was over there just roaring silently because I thought, whoa, you really deserve that. But in Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. That was not acting properly in love. It always protects. John 19, when Jesus is on the cross, mind you, he's hanging on the cross, dying in excruciating pain. And he says this to John, his beloved Woman, here is your son. Son, here is your mother. He's dying, and he's still looking out to protect his mother by giving her a guardian. Because it always protects, that's why abortion and compassion is something that is so serious a concern for believers because love compels us to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Love always trusts. And this does not mean that we are always naive, undiscerning, gullible, I'll read what I found in, a, in, a, in one of the summaries. Agape love will not be suspicious of the one it loves. It will be slow to believe any damaging news concerning the loved one and will always give the benefit of the doubt. Whatever the situation, love is ready to trust. To trust someone means that you are ever ready to believe the best in them. A person may have a dark past or be in some way undeserving of that trust, yet agape love is able to look beyond and offer a second chance. Love always hopes, and in this case, hope is seeing the potential in others. How many times did Israel fail God, but he always saw where they would actually go? Peter failed Jesus, yet the Lord restored him to a most honorable apostle. And if you've ever had children, you've probably already experienced it, or someday you will. Agape love always points to a brighter day ahead. Love always perseveres. The idea here is that we must show love whether or not it is convenient. 1 Peter 2, For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure, but if, when you do good and suffer for it, you you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is enduring love. And Jesus modeled it. Having loved his own who were in the world, even with all their flaws and their failures and their faithlessness of all things, He loved them to the end. Love never fails. And when we really understand and practice genuine agape love, we will never fail to do what is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. We are finishing up on perhaps the most impacting, trying year of our lives and I would say we probably miss many opportunities to practice true agape love opportunities that have never come in such abundance our way before currently we have this self-focus on the ills of our country potential damage to our economy our health, of course, and our security. I'm concerned we might continue to miss this landfall of divine opportunities that God is parading right before us. Many would say that 2020 was the worst year of their life. I say that it has been the best year of our life to express God's love. Think about it in the past year have we been unpatient or you've been unpatient? Have you been unkind? Have you envied, boasted, been proud? Have you dishonored others? Have you been self-seeking? Have you been easily angered? Just go on Facebook. Or social media of some kind have we kept records of wrong have we delighted in the evil that has seemed to fall back on people we think deserved it and not rejoiced when the good things happened even to them have we always protected have we always trusted that the lord is working for good we always hoped for a better day in someone's life? Have we all always persevered? Because love never fails. But if, like me, I have to admit I failed in many of those ways this year, I have to take note because 2021 days is a year of new beginnings of unity can't help but think of the charles dickens tale of christmas carol my kids always hate it when i hey there's a christmas carol we got to watch that again but it has such an awesome message this man who's so selfish and self-centered through his whole life has a come to jesus moment and he's given a second chance In this coming year we also have an opportunity for a second chance and we're going to need it because the virus is not over our national division is not over and all those world problems because of our self-focus that we've been ignoring for nine ten months however long it's been they as well are not over But by giving the gift of love, the gift of Emmanuel, God with us, we can make 2021 the greatest year of all. Paul finishes his dissertation on love by saying this, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. As we look forward to what lies ahead and we say farewell to this most impacting year of our life and our history, We complete the final message of this year and we finish this series of messages, faith, joy, hope, and love. Let us be reminded that the greatest of these is love.
1: Thanks, Rocky. We've talked about the gift of hope, gift of peace, joy that comes with a God that meets our impossible needs. And then today, Rocky, man, incredible message on love. What's the greatest? What do we need more than anything? We need the love of Christ in our hearts. We're going to end this year with a song that as we were practicing it before service, uh, it just reminded me how much I love this song. It's it's a song about love, about the love of God. And as we sing it today, as we enjoy these last few moments uh, of this last service uh, that's, that's planned for 2020, let's sink in to the idea that God, he loved us so much. His gift of love, of God with us, Emmanuel, is so critical in this Christmas season and as we move into 2021, that the love of God, this song is called Reckless Love. Let's enjoy it together. Amen. I think the reason I love this song so much is it brings me back to a moment in our family's life where my son was having some roughness. He was kind of hitting... Uh, some spiritual time where he was uh, struggling with his faith. And it was this song that really anchored me and Jessica. And we've shared this before that that this song was like this idea that God, he never stops coming after us. His love is always so good. It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest thing. And I just want to say that if you're watching this you're still hanging on with us, that the love that my son experienced from Jesus and came back to the Lord is the same love that's going to draw you back in this moment. If you're away from the Lord and you need a fresh touch from Him, you need Jesus to do a great and mighty work in your life. Or maybe we go back over the last few weeks and we, you're still facing the impossible. Remember we said, When you need a miracle, run to Jesus. Or maybe you're feeling hopeless and you need another chance. Or the very first in the series that your life seems like there's a lack of peace. It's all wrapped up in this idea of love. It's the love of Christ that makes the difference. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe would not perish but would have everlasting life and today that love is available for you i'm going to pray a sinner's prayer it's not the words of this prayer that mean anything it's really your belief in the words that i'm about to say if you believe this your sins can be removed as far as the east is from the west let's pray lord we thank you for your love. And Jesus, right now, I ask that you would forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse my heart. Make it clean. This Christmas season, I surrender to you. I pray that you would just fill my heart with your love. The best love there is. I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those that are watching, those are all online, Lord, that you would now close this season. And Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us in a new year, 2021, a new beginning. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining. Let us know what your biggest takeaway from today's message is. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.